Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey guys, welcome back to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy podcast. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Today we're going to be continuing with part two of healthy love versus addictive love. So if you haven't already listened to part one, I would encourage you to stop this and then jump over there and listen to part one. So what we're doing is 10 comparisons of healthy love versus addictive love. And in part one, we covered numbers one through six. So let me just recap those for you. Number one was healthy love develops after we feel secure. Addictive love tries to create love and connection even before we understand who the person is. Number two, Healthy love comes from being healthy ourselves. We overflow with love. Addicted love is always trying to fill an inner void. Number three, healthy love begins with loving ourselves and being the partner we wish to have. Addictive love avoids looking at ourselves and always seeks to get love from that special someone. Number four, healthy love grows slowly like a tree over time. It allows us to be vulnerable because we feel secure inside whereas addictive love grows fast as if by magic, and it's based on a shaky foundation. And a lot of times you're afraid to be vulnerable because you fear that rejection, because you don't feel very secure. Number five, healthy love thrives on time alone as well as time spent with our partner. Addictive love avoids being alone. They need to always be together or they begin to feel insecure. And number six, healthy love is gentle and considerate. Addictive love is tense and combative. All right, now you're all caught up on numbers one through six. So let's jump right back in with number seven. Number seven, healthy love creates a deeper sense of ourselves the longer we're together. Addictive love creates a loss of self the longer you're together. And I think when you're in a healthy relationship, you help your partner understand themselves better and they help you understand yourselves better. And so you get this better idea of who am I? So when you think back to like middle school or early high school and they're trying to figure out their identity and that's a lifelong process. You're constantly trying to figure that out. But then if you have this healthy love with your partner, you help each other discover themselves more deeply and they help you discover yourself more deeply and understand really more about yourself and more about them simultaneously. Yeah, I would totally agree. In the past, I would say six months to a year. Tim has really helped me see things about myself that I never really could put into words. And this has happened multiple times in multiple conversations in the past year or so. So an example of that is we were talking about our kids and just how they interact in social settings. And then we were talking about us. And I told him that a lot of times I feel embarrassed or misunderstood. Like people think that I want to be the center of attention because at parties a lot, I am in the middle and I am talking to people. And I was trying to express this and I didn't know how to fully express that because I think a lot of times I do feel bad because I feel like I'm not trying to be the center of attention, but that's my view of what other people think of me, that I'm always trying to be the center and I'm always trying to be the focus. And Tim jumped in and he said, no, I don't think you do at all. I think you really don't like the spotlight, but I think that you are a facilitator and you gather people together. So just naturally, because you're bringing together, you kind of are in the center. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you do have such a deep desire to connect with people. 
And because you are extroverted when you're around a bunch of people, you're just infused with energy. And then that energy comes out in the conversations and you're boisterous and you're very fun. So you do end up being kind of the center of the party, but you don't want to be the center of attention. But that just naturally comes out of you when you're around a large group of people. And so you just have this earnest desire to help people connect and to connect with them also. But when the limelight is just on you and center focused on you, you actually get really uncomfortable. But I think when you're in a group, it's kind of spread across everybody. So you feel more comfortable. But yeah, when it's just like this laser beam on you, you feel very uncomfortable. Versus for me, in that group setting, I feel wildly uncomfortable. But when there is a specific guided focus on me, that's actually when I feel comfortable. We were playing this game one time and it was about improvs. And so they'd give you like a character and things you'd have to say and people would have to guess. And it's so interesting because I think for you, right, it seemed like this would be a prime game for you where you would just love it and shine. But instead, <laughs> you like shrunk away and got wildly uncomfortable, which is so funny because of the two of us, I'm much more likely to be the person who gets embarrassed. But then in this game, I was like, okay, either you kind of go full bore at it and you do a good job doing your improv or you kind of do it halfway and you actually are going to end up looking sillier than if you go full bore into it. And so when the limelight was on me, like I really went for the gusto and did everything I could in order to do a good impersonation of the person I was supposed to be impersonating. And so I think that does speak to that idea that you don't necessarily want to be the center of attention, but when it comes to connecting, that infuses you with energy. But when when there is only a light on you and not on other people, you do get uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And even as he was talking right now, I was tearing up because I felt so seen. And I felt, oh man, that is what happens. And I didn't even understand that until he verbally expressed that. And then it helped me to come to a deeper understanding to say, that's exactly what happens. And so not only did it help me understand myself deeper, but then I felt a deeper connection to him because I felt more seen and understood by him in ways where he's helping me to understand myself better, which in turn allows me to be more confident in what I'm doing and not shy away from situations like that because now I more clearly understand what's happening and my own motivations. And this is an example of something that you can't really see to the heart of what somebody's motivations are or who they are as a person when you meet them just for the first couple of weeks or a couple of months. This is a type of understanding that you gain about somebody over the course of a long period of time. And from seeing you over a long period of time, I know what your character is. And so when I observe a behavior like that where you're at the center of the party and everybody is kind of congregating around you, I understand your heart that you're not just trying to you're not just trying to get everybody to focus on you, but you really are a lightning rod that just really draws everybody in and produces a lot of energy. No, and I really appreciate that. It really does help me feel more seen. And even in this podcast episode, there was a time earlier where he said something and I felt, oh my gosh, that's exactly how I feel, but I thought I was coming across differently when we were talking about... Could always use a little more Tim. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because I could always use a little more Tim. And a lot of times I feel... Not necessarily concerned, but I wonder. I wonder if that's coming across as needy. It's not that I need him at every moment, but I enjoy spending time with him and I want to be with him. And so a lot of times I do have that fear of, oh man, I don't want to be overbearing or I don't want to put too much pressure on him feeling like he has to fulfill that need. But when he said that just now, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly it. <laughs> and so even in this 
episode. I feel like that helps me to understand myself deeper. Number eight is healthy love gets easier as time goes on. And addictive love requires more and more effort as time goes on. So as you get to understand each other better, right, your relationship should start operating more like a well-oiled machine. But if it is regularly kind of breaking down and having struggles, right, you're struggling in this idea of this healthy versus this addictive love. And again, if you're breaking down, you got to take it to the mechanic and get it fixed and work on those things that are causing it to constantly break down and not just use duct tape and rubber bands to try to hold the thing together. You need a major overhaul, major repair kind of a thing to make sure that you're on the right path so that your relationship is getting easier as time goes on. And just like in the last podcast we were talking about, if bitterness and resentment is setting in, it's going to make it more difficult. It's going to be like walking through the mud as opposed to walking on the sidewalk. Your relationship most of the time should be nice and easy, especially if you've been together for any portion of time. And if you've been together for a while and it's still tough and rough frequently, even though that's, I think, the norm for most relationships, the norm doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy. And so just seeing like, oh, everybody kind of struggles with this doesn't mean that's where you have to stay. You can move out from that. You can change and get to a place where it's better and more frequently good and not feeling like you're putting more and more weight on your back as the years go on. And I think this is the same idea as parenting, right? We talk about in parenting making sure that you are consistent now and you're putting in the time and the effort now while they're still young to set a good foundation and you can reap the benefits later. But if you aren't consistent and you allow things to just kind of pass by without saying anything or maybe the kids are too far away and it would require you to get up and walk over there, then you're going to pay the consequences later. And it's that same idea in a relationship where early on, It takes work to set up that communication, conflict resolution, having discussions about what are our goals, what is our mission, what are we committing to, and then sticking in with the hard conversations, even when you feel like not having it. But if you are consistently working at communication and working at meeting the needs of your spouse and loving your spouse in the way that they need to be loved, then you will reap those benefits down the road. And like we said earlier, it's going to be more enjoyable. But it does take hard work in the beginning. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. And thinking back to Hannah and Caleb when they were younger and how much correction we needed to do with them, I think we've had to do much less with the subsequent kids because now the older two siblings are setting an example for the younger ones. And even though we had to put in a lot of effort to get them to that point, it's made the next children easier to parent because they've already had the example of seeing their older siblings do it where we don't even necessarily have to tell them, hey, you can do that or you can't do that. They know from watching their older siblings do the right thing. And that's not to say that the younger ones don't require time and effort because they absolutely <laughs> do. But comparatively speaking to the amount of time and effort we had to put into the older two, it's a much easier task. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, too, is about being on the same page, right? So early on, we're trying to figure out that being on the same page. And with your marriage, if you can get on the same page and have the same tools and healthy communication, then you're going to work through things way quicker than if you're not on the same page. Number nine is healthy love is satisfied with the partner we have. Addictive love is always looking for more or someone better. And I think healthy love isn't just being satisfied with the partner we have, but it's cherishing the partner we have and being grateful and looking specifically for reasons why we're thankful that we have them, right? We've talked about this multiple times about 
being grateful and how that can combat envy or disappointment. And that's so important in being able to be satisfied and happy with the partner that you have. And on the other side, you're setting yourself up for failure and you are definitely playing with fire. It's dangerous when you're looking at other people or other marriages and you're saying, but look at them. He's doing this for his wife. Why aren't you? And you're always trying to look around and see what is wrong with your marriage and why other people are doing it better than your husband. That isn't encouraging him or uplifting him. It's just tearing him down and it's going to make him not want to cherish or do things for you. It's not motivating him to do it. It's demotivating him. And I think, too, with that addictive love, when you're always looking for something more or someone better, I think a lot of times that's also connected with the feeling or the sensation of love. And we'll talk about this in another podcast is associated with a feeling that's more akin to infatuation rather than love. And so once that infatuation, that wonderful, amazing puppy dog love kind of thing wears off, that's when people start looking around for somebody new because they're looking to continue that feeling. But that feeling, that's not something that you're going to have in a long-term healthy relationship all the time. It is a chemical cocktail that your brain releases that causes you to feel this extraordinary feeling of love, but that only lasts between six months and a year. And so if you're constantly chasing that, you're never going to have a relationship that's really going to go much longer than that because that's as long as your brain is willing to produce that chemical for this person and then it will just go away. Versus what we were talking about in the last podcast is love is a choice, not a feeling. Number 10 is healthy love teaches us that we can only make ourselves happy. Addictive love expects the other person to make us happy and demands that we try to make them happy. Now, this may sound kind of funny. Your partner can bring lots of happiness to your life, but they are not making you happy. I tell people this all the time. They can create circumstances in which happiness can grow, right? They can plow the field. They can weed the field. They can water it. They can plant the seeds, but they cannot make the seed grow. Right? That is something that is on us as the person to choose to be happy or not. It's actually very interesting. One of our kids was pretty upset a little while ago, and one of our other children was trying to console them and trying to help them kind of reframe their thoughts and try to look at it in a more healthy way and to try to cheer them up a little bit. And the unhappy child was just constantly shooting down the other person's ideas, and you could see that they were actively choosing to be unhappy. And so I stopped our child who was trying to encourage them. And I just said, hey, listen, if they don't want to be happy, there's nothing you can do to make them happy. And when I said that, right, the other child who was actively trying to be unhappy, all of a sudden their face changed. When I said that, they recognized, I think, what they were doing, that they were actively trying to be unhappy. But then they also recognized, oh, okay, this person's not going to keep trying to do this anymore because dad just kind of put a stop to that. And If you're looking at it like it's your partner's job to make you happy, you're giving them an impossible task. You're setting up an impossible expectation for them. And you yourself have an unhealthy expectation because you are now taking the power that you have and you're trying to give it away to somebody else who can't do anything with that. It is in you to try to choose to be happy in those circumstances, not on your partner to try to make you happy. Again, they can work at making the circumstances So that happiness is easier to grow, but ultimately you're the seed that gets to choose whether you grow or not. Right, and for addictive love, where they demand that we try to make them happy, a lot of times that leads into manipulation, where if you love me, you do this. Or if you don't do this, I'm going to be so sad. 
And you see that a lot in relationships that are about to break up, right? Someone who's in a very unhealthy or toxic relationship where they're trying to get out of it. I've heard this so many times with teens where somebody has made a decision to end a relationship and then they come back into the office and they're like, I couldn't do it. And I asked them to tell me about what happened. And a lot of times they'll say, well, they said they were going to hurt themselves if I end the relationship. And they said, I'm the only one that makes them happy and there's no reason if we're not together. And I don't want to do that. Just like one of our children, we want to teach them that that's not your responsibility. That's not your job, right? That's teaching them at a young age that they have boundaries, that you aren't responsible for the other people's feelings. Yes, you can contribute it and you need to make sure that your side of the street is clean and you are acting in a way that's honorable. But after you do that and you do the right thing, it's up to the other person to decide whether they're happy or not. And so being careful that in your relationship, you're not using manipulation. So as we're looking at healthy and addictive love, clearly we want to be on the healthy side. So do everything in your power to make sure that you're practicing things to make your relationship and your marriage a healthy one. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.